Welcome to the Digital Workflow Dentistry Podcast Series. We help dentists adapt, adopt, and advance in the world of dental technology. For more information about upcoming lectures, webinars, and podcasts, please go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com, at Instagram, at Digital Workflow Dentistry. Good afternoon, dental internet world. My name is Dr. Vishal Sharma, and I'm once again here alongside my friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Parchewski. Mike, it's a beautiful day outside. The temperature is elevated, and that's a fitting segue because today we'll be talking about CBCT and its usage for diagnosing and elevating wisdom teeth. In the studio today, we have Dr. Neki Jamal. Mike, do me a favor and introduce our topic and our guest for today. Right on. Thanks, Vish. Uh, yes, it's a great day out there, very warm. And uh, today we've got our topic about uh, digital technology and its use for, um, especially CBCT, for extracting of wisdom teeth. Uh, today we have Dr. Je- Neki Jamal, uh, Lloyd Minister Celebrity Dentist. Um, he's he's an interesting guy, uh, amazing dentist, amazing person. Uh, he's a recent cyclist, we'll be talking about that. Philanthropist, an educator, clinic owner, and a dentist. Um, currently, he's been lecturing a lot on wisdom teeth extractions and amongst other topics. Uh, welcome, Neki, and uh, great to have you here. And tell us uh, how your day's been. How are you doing? Man, I'm, I'm super pumped to be here. I'm, uh, I'm honored, uh, Mike and Vish. This, uh, this is pretty awesome. So you know what? If, if you're going to include this in my day, this is a great month. So uh, I'm pumped to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. Nice. Well, we're excited to have you. So obviously, Neki, we all have some Saskatchewan roots. Mike and I have been fully yeah. implanted uh, into Alberta, and you're still bordering the two. You're on the border town of Lloyd Minister. How are things in the town of Lloyd Minister? I, uh, you know, I, I can't complain. It's it's half Alberta, half Saskatchewan. <laughs> the uh, all this COVID stuff. We've kind of been taking the best of both worlds. And uh, you know, while you guys have had you know closed restaurants. I was just at our, our brewery and, and having a beer inside with some buddies. So it's, uh, we've, we've been pretty lucky, um, out here and, and, uh, now it's, it, it's been good. And, and I still get to go to Saskatoon and, and still come to Alberta too. So it's good. Well, that's, yeah, go ahead. That's great. Mike and I are certainly uh, envious of the restaurant component. And one of the things that we're, I guess, more uh, admiring of is you have a really impressive undertaking that you've recently started called bike for breakfast and it's to help provide meals for kids at school. Can you just take some time to tell us about that? Um, yeah, totally. So, uh, um, there's breakfast programs in our schools. I know there weren't breakfast programs when I was going to school and probably you guys either, but, uh, they've instituted breakfast programs in school. So kids shouldn't have to, you know, come to school hungry. So anyone who wants a meal should have access to a meal and, um, funding was cut. And as soon as I heard funding was cut and, uh, I, I hear these stories, a, a couple buddies and I, you know, we got together and we're like, how can we, how can we change this? And, uh, yeah, we had a small goal of, you know, let's try to raise, you know, 50 grand in this community. And it started like, uh, I want to say five weeks ago, May 1st. And our goal was 50 grand. And then, you know, everyone just wanted to get involved as, you know, small communities do. And so 50 grand turned into a hundred and we're, we're well over 200 grand. Wow. In, nice. in, I guess, five weeks now. And, uh, the whole, the whole part of it is, uh, we're, we're going to cycle uh, a thousand kilometers. And, uh, if, if you know me, I don't cycle at all. And, uh, <laughs> I'm quite nervous about that, but it'll be great. And, uh, we've raised a ton of money for our schools in and around Lloydminster, but really it's, it's all about community. And for me, 
that's the coolest part about being a dentist is, is it's not only teeth, but I get to have such a huge impact in my community. And, uh, that for me, that, that, that's just the best part about it. Right on. So how many kilometers have you guys gone so far? Um, like I've gone 40 here and there. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny, Mike, because I know you're a triathlete and you're a dang good one too. So, um, I'll, I'll go 40 and then I did 60, you know, last weekend and then it started hailing and I didn't know what to do. And so someone was going to like, you know, pull over on the side of the road and I'm like, no, 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 I got to push through this. And, and, uh, it's, it's tricky, man. I, I never gave cycling enough credit. Like I've always been a runner, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's hard stuff, but it's yeah. super fun. It is the hard stuff. Nikki. one suggestion I have for you is on my bike and I've gotten into road biking, road cycling a couple of years ago. I actually have a picture of Mike plastered on my handlebars. Nice. And yeah. the the dichotomy with it is though it can either be exceptionally motivating or for some people I'm sure very demotivating. So try it out, get back to us, let yeah. us know how it worked out for you. <laughs> He's a handsome fella, so yeah. I'm pretty He's sure uh pretty sure it'll be motivating for everyone. Yeah, so that's Locate, good. Lo- located on bike handlebars and dartboards around <laughs> the nation. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, quite, yeah, would, yeah. do you notice a difference biking in Saskatchewan or Alberta when you're biking between the way the drivers treat you there, being you're a border um, towner? Well, uh um it's funny because I'll have people honk at me, but it's usually because I know them. Yeah. And I'm only riding on like rural highways. I've yet to ride on um, like uh, Highway 16 or the Yellowhead, which we will be traveling on. Too scared to do that. So I'm really in way over my head here. And uh, I'm just focused on fundraising. I don't really care about the bike, but it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I can't believe how much you guys have raised so far. Um, It's amazing. Like really amazing. Um, Now, how do people get involved? Um, well, uh, for our community, like, you know, people have been dropping off donations at our office. Um, and, uh, we have like a GoFundMe page and honestly, Mike, like this thing just blew up and I'm, I'm amazed with how fast it it blew up, but like, it just really reminds me, everyone wants to help. They just need an opportunity to. And so once people can jump on board, like they just run with it. Like this little girl yesterday, she's, she was in my chair. I did a filling on her. And then she's like, how can I help? And she's like, I'm going to have a bake sale today. And that girl raised a thousand dollars at her bake sale. I saw she had the sold out sign, sold out sign on Instagram there. Yeah. It's insane. And and honestly, man, that's what, that's what motivates you to keep on going is, is if a little girl can do that, she can find, you know, the time to do that. How can we as grown professionals give back to our community? So, um, that, that, that's just one story out of many, but, uh, it's been awesome, man. Nice. Yeah, good for you. That's very admirable. So, Neki, when did you start lecturing on wisdom teeth extractions and uh, what led you to start doing this? You know, um, I got a long, long story there. But if you want to know the truth, I actually owe Mike a huge I, – I owe you a ton, Mike. You probably don't remember anything of when we first met. I first met Mike in Nicaragua. And, uh, uh, he was on a kindness and action trip. He was practicing several more years than me. He's much more experienced than I was. And I was fresh out of school, my second dental trip. So that means I was one year out of school. And I remember working in a school in Managua. I don't know if you remember that. I remember. Yeah. And you walked over to me and I couldn't get a tooth out. And you looked at me and you said, dude, your flap is messy. (laughs) And, and, and you know what, like that, that, you didn't, you weren't saying that in a mean way, but you were like, dude, your flap is messy. 
And I still remember that to this day. And it's funny how there's certain moments in our lives that like, you know, impact you. And I'm like, you know what? I need to change this. I need to learn how to do this properly. But there's no one there to teach us. There's no one there to teach me. I never had a mentor. There's no one teaching courses. How do you make your flap not messy? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I hear this all the time from people taking my courses. What's your number one problem? Well, I don't know how to reflect the flap. And when I do reflect the flap, I just tear it to shreds. And I'm like, yeah, I've been there. And then this guy, Mike, he really, he really told me to <laughs> really improve. And so Mike, I don't mean to, 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 you know, toot your horn or anything, but, but, but you really did impact me early in my career. And I still distinctly remember that. So thank you, man. Nice. Well, had, yeah, uh, that was yeah, good. Yeah. You've had an impact on me. So, um, yeah, it's, I started teaching probably about in, in 2015, I started teaching PRF yep. and there was a lot of dentists not doing PRF back then. And, and everyone was scared of vein of puncture and, and that's how I got into it. And then people were like, man, can I come watch you take out teeth? And I'm like, man, aren't like, how do you guys not know how to, how to take out teeth? And it, it, of course it comes with years of practice and tens and thousands of wisdom teeth later, you, you have to, you know, you learn, you know, a thing or two, as you know, Mike. And, uh, I started teaching courses mainly because I didn't have that mentor to help me. And I didn't have, and a lot of us don't have that camaraderie amongst our dental community mm -hmm. to help one another. And so I wanted to be that person for other people. So I started teaching wisdom, wisdom tooth courses probably about three years ago and it, it really grew. And, and, uh, as soon as I was like, you know, gaining a lot of momentum, COVID hit. Yeah. And, uh, I pivoted and, uh, I created, uh, a, an online community and it's called uh, thirdmolarsonline.com. And, uh, I basically made, uh, in my studio down here, I made 200 videos, five to 10 minutes each incredibly comprehensive on every single thing that has to do with wisdom teeth. And if you, you know, go through that course, I really feel like you'll become proficient at it because I put my heart and soul in there and it's filled with great clinical cases and videos. And I, I had a ton of fun doing it. So it, it's been awesome. Oh, good, that's cool. good for you. That's yeah. impressive. And can you repeat that website one more time, please, Nikki? Yeah, it's uh, third molars, T-H-I-R-D, molarsonline.com. And uh, the, the cool part about the website is um, we donate all the money to charity. And so, uh, like we're drilling water wells in Nicaragua. Yeah. Part of the money was used for bike for breakfast. Like I want to find, I want to do good with, with, you know, the opportunities that, that we've been given. Like I want to share my, my knowledge with everyone, but I also want it to go to a good cause. So, um, yeah, the proceeds are donated straight to charity and, uh, I want to help my colleagues and, and do good around the world at the same time. So that's, that's great. Fun. Good for you. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's funny that the, uh, Genesis of this started with Mike, and I have a really similar story. Uh, Mike and I actually met at Oktoberfest, and he told me that my flap was messy as well. So <laughs> same, same, but a little bit different, I guess. Same, same, but different, I guess yeah. so, man. End result, end result was a good good improvement. Um, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, no, it's been, it's been awesome. With, with uh, us here, um, we do focus a lot of our training on digital workflows and technology and so one thing we found with implants and wisdom teeth planning is the use of the CBCT. In your training, um, how do you incorporate or teach dentists to utilize the CBCT to pick and choose which cases they should use, should uh, perform? 
Absolutely. And you know, it's kind of controversial. Some dentists don't believe in using a CBCT for wisdom teeth. And I'm the complete opposite. I think having that extra layer of knowledge going into a surgery is, is priceless. And so, um, whenever we see a high risk wisdom tooth, and in my opinion, a high risk wisdom tooth is, you know, darkening of the root, diversion of the canal or interruption of the white line of the canal. And those are the three, you know, big ones that you see on a panoramic radiograph to alert you that, you know, there is a possible possibility of uh, a mandibular canal injury um, upon extraction of that third molar. That's when I'll take that uh, CBCT and really um, dive into it. The cool part for me has been, um, you know, I, I ha I've had a CBCT in my office for, um, I don't know, about seven or eight years now. And so um, over the years, you can look at a pan and then you know exactly what it's going to look like on the, on the CBCT before you even pull it up. So that, that's been really cool. But whenever I see like darkening of the root, diversion of the canal or interruption of the white line of the canal, um, I always take a CBCT and I, and I talk it over with the patient and let them know, like, you know, I can only do so much. It's your anatomy um, that could be causing, you know, a higher risk scenario here if we do proceed to take out this third molar. So I use it more for patient education as well as, you know, how many roots there are and, and the, you know, specific anatomical variants of that too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because we teach um, what's called digital implant case presentation, which is where we do the, basically we plan the implant in front of the patient after we merge everything together, we can do it live in front of the patient. And um, the biggest benefit of doing that treatment planning in front of the patient is the patient acceptance, is the patient being a part of the process. It's understanding what we're doing and it's understanding why they should come to us for that. So it's interesting you say that because Really, I, I see that CBCT as such an education tool. And a lot of times dentists are just in their rooms in a dark room looking at their computers after hours reading x-rays when, you know, it really should be done with the patient and, and the education side of that is super important. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. And, and having the patient in on the, you know, informed consent process and, and showing them exactly where their nerve is in relation to the tooth. It almost, if you do end up with a complication, the patient wants to work <clears throat> with you, not against you. And so it, it, it's really good post-operatively as well, like to, to have that patient on your side saying, well, you, you did warn me of this and it almost eliminates all the, uh, negativity associated with possible paresthesia and, and uh, canal injuries. So I, I couldn't agree more. So continue on with that theme, Neki, of um, education. Uh, let's switch to when you're offering some of these courses and you're teaching. What would be some of the fundamentals that you focus on? Um, I, you know what? It, it starts with case assessment. And you have to know what cases to take on and what cases to refer. Uh, the number one thing I teach is if you're going to start taking out third molars, you have to leave your ego at the door. Um, because, yeah, I'm sure we could all take any tooth out but at what cost? And, and if you're going to have a patient in the chair for two and a half hours, just to post a picture on Instagram and, and say that you were able to take out this tooth, no one frankly cares. And you're dealing with all the post-operative complications for the following six weeks. And that's not a practice builder for, for your office either. Right. So, um, I'm a huge fan of, of assessing cases. I've come up with my own ways of, of assessing cases um, that really rely on 
Um, not only the depth of application of your instruments, which will give you a good indication of access and visibility of that third molar, um, but also, you know, risk assessment. How close is that mandibular canal? What, what scenarios do we have to be uh, nervous about? And then after case assessment, um, I spend a lot of time on flaps and different flap variations and um, what to do when and how to easily and quickly reflect that flap and make sure you get all the way underneath that periosteum. And then, you know, different sectioning techniques, armamentarium, and then post-operative complications. Cause mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of us can take out teeth, but um, you know, it really comes to, comes to head when you do end up with a complication, how do you manage that? And uh, I always, I always say, you know, if you're not willing to take on the complications, you shouldn't really take on the case, right? Cause we're all going to come across this. On, on that note, what, uh, what are some tips and tricks that you can often offer the listeners about the post-op care? Um, you know, I, I find when I start, uh, teaching people and, and I start showing people my clinical videos, a lot of them say you take a lot of time after you take out the tooth to make sure your site is clean and the, the bone is smooth. And if you, if you, the more and more teeth you take out, you'll start to notice you do end up with complications and you do end up with patients coming back over the next several weeks. If you don't properly rinse your flap, and I don't mean rinsing inside the socket. I don't care what's inside the socket as long as it's clean. I'm talking rinsing the actual flap and removing all the bone chips off the periosteum. Um, you end up preventing a lot of subperiosteal infections that come back three weeks later with swelling. Um, and and just having a smooth bone, everything heals nicer and everything heals better and quicker. And so if I was going to tell anyone anything is, is really take the time to ensure that the bone is smooth. Your flap is clean. Um, you didn't tear up the periosteum, of course, during surgery and uh, you, you've taken your time to rinse it well. And right. so if you do those things and if you really clean up your flap well at the end of it, I really feel like you can prevent a lot of complications. Those are great yeah. suggestions. Um, so, Neki, uh, switching uh, topics here a little bit to sedation. Uh, obviously, you're providing sedation for some of these complex cases. Can you talk about what sedation you're using and just elaborate on that, please? Yeah. So, um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of IV sedation. Um, I started with oral sedation, um, you know, back, I guess, 10 years ago, and, and I was using, you know, Ativan and then Triazolam, and, and I wanted, you know, more more sedation, I guess my patients, you know, I was always nervous. I wanted to give them a little bit more sedation to make the procedure more comfortable. So, um, I, you know, was introduced to IV sedation. I took the course at U of A. I thought it was awesome. And I started off with single drug and I felt comfortable right away doing sedation because, um, I was doing a lot of PRF at that time. So, by doing PRF, I was really comfortable with venipuncture and getting blood. And so it just came, you know, almost naturally to just, you know, incorporate IV sedation because I already knew how to, how to get into the vein. Right. So, um, I started off with uh, one drug and then I added, I took that, uh, back, back then you had to go back and take the second drug, uh, like, you know, to add fentanyl and, uh, it's, it's worked out really well. I do, uh, sedation four days a week, one day a week. I still like to do, you know, uh, everyday dentistry. I, I'm not your guy. If you need a, you know, a set of veneers, I don't know how to do that stuff. And I'm really admire all these people that take the time to get those perfect smiles, but I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses and, and, um, I'm, I'm good at taking out teeth, but <laughs> the cosmetic stuff isn't necessarily my jam. Now, um, you talked about the PRP PRF and, yeah. um, so I've, I posted, I did some, um, 
a little bit of research we've been working on doing using PRP PRF for socket uh, sock uh, to help with sockets and socket preservation after wisdom teeth extraction and reducing post-op complications. And we also on uh, View Medi, I did post a video where we displayed a case where we, especially on older patients, where we took the upper wisdom teeth, we dent and grind them, and then we take the dent and grinding and put it in the lower sockets and with the mix with PRP to help prevent dry sockets and also to help um, with less defects. Have you have you played around with any of of PRP PRF for your wisdom teeth cases? Yeah, so I put um, PRF in all my lower sites. I don't put PRF on the upper. I find you know the uppers heal always, and you don't really have a problem with the uppers um, unless you have uh, oral antral communication. And then I would put uh, PRF in the uppers, but I always put uh, PRF in the lowers. Um, there's, you know, numerous studies to show a, a 95% reduction in alveolar osteitis when you do incorporate PRF into the, uh, lower third molar sites. So I've always been a fan of that and, and I've taught that as well. And, and I, I haven't gotten into dentin grinding the uppers and throwing them in the lower. So that's pretty, that's pretty badass, man. So good for you. <laughs> now have, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it, like I said, it does take a little bit of a workflow because you do need a second assistant that's working on that while they're grinding. Cause it takes about 20 minutes to prepare the the dentin grinding. So, yeah. you know, you need somebody that's just dedicated to that while you continue to, to extract the lowers. Um, but the PRF, I think I found that a game changer with, with any of the difficult impaction cases for healing and less uh, post-op medication requirements uh, really makes a big difference. Um, for, for people that are listening that do IV and do wisdom teeth extractions or are getting into the PRF, um, just walk, walk them through your stages of, of where you, where you take the, where you put the IV line in, where you take the PRF from, do you take it from the same location? Do you have two sites? Uh, how do you do that for your draw? Sure. So if you're doing IV, it's super simple. Um, I've always stuck uh, to the anti-cubital fossa and, um, uh, I'll use a dual port catheter. So, uh, BD, you know, Becton Dickinson, they make a dual port catheter. So it's just one IV line. Your IV can go in one side of the catheter and you can pull um, blood out of the other port. And so it's only one poke. You can take your blood right away and then you can connect your IV line. So it's it's been really simple. If you do an IV, it's a no brainer to incorporate PRF because it is only one poke. And um, I find that works really, really well. And I've been doing that for uh, years and years now. And that's the same technique. Uh, if, if anyone's doing sedation, I highly recommend a dual port catheter. Okay, nice. That's good to know. Yeah. Do you use one of those, Mike? Yeah, well, you know, we've, we, uh, yes. And then we also will do, um, I have used those and we also will do, sometimes I'll just do out of, um, I'll just use a, a 12 gauge uh, or it's a 12 CC, uh, syringe. That's kind of how I learned. Just crank that on first, slow, slow, um, you know, vacuum pressure on the, and to fill up the, uh, the 12 CC syringe and mm -hmm. then just unplug it, pinch, put the IV line on and then continue on. Yep. But yeah, the dual ports uh, work nice too. I mean, again, it comes down to when you, how you get trained and, and that. So, uh, but I do like that, that concept's pretty cool as well. Yeah. The, the cool part about a, a, a dual port catheter is it's super clean. Like there's never a drop of blood that gets spilt anywhere. Like it's, 
it's just super clean. Everything's contained. Every time you, you know, go to unconnect, like disconnect something and connect another thing, there's always a valve to turn on and turn off. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a super clean, you know, procedure and patients appreciate that too. If, if you know, you're hooking up their IV and, and, you know, you don't push down on the vein enough, then blood goes everywhere and you yeah. just look like an amateur, right? So having yeah. a dual port there, you always look good. Well, that's something I'll have to, uh, I'll have to go to your website and check that out and, <laughs> uh, incorporate that one again. Yeah. It's one of those things where I, I had used them for a bit and then we were, you know, I think it was one of those things where they weren't reordered and we went back to the way we, you know, I had always done it. And when I was in, in my residency and, um, and you know now you're saying it. It's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, so, I'll, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, man, you gotta get back into it. I the love student it. teaches the teacher here. So yeah, that's great, man. Clean yeah. up your dual catheter approach, Mike. That's all yeah. I have to say. It's messy. <laughs> um, so Nikki, you've done some work, uh, extensive work, obviously with Change for Children. Mike and I are both familiar with Kindness in Action. I've actually been in a trip with Change for Children as well. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? What drove you to do it? And why has it become such an important part of uh, your uh, dental life? Yeah, so um, I, I started in 2009, the second I graduated from school, because I was looking for an adventure. And I'm dead, like, I've never traveled before and never had that opportunity to. So what better way to to travel and, and share, share your skills with the world than, than to go on a, a dental mission trip? And I always feel like it's my responsibility to do something like that. But um, something happened on that trip and it, it's almost, it triggered something in my head and it's, it's like, we were so lucky to go to school and to be in our position that we are. And a lot of it, I think is, you know, geographical luck. Like how did I get to be born in Canada and go to school and have all these opportunities? Whereas, you know, people around the world, they, they don't have that. And wouldn't it be cool if we could share our, our skills with them? And so that's what got me into it. And it just, you know, it turned into trying to fix teeth, but then it turned into what more can I do? Like fixing teeth isn't a sustainable way to ensure the health of a lot of these people. And we weren't doing enough. <clears throat> and so that's how we got into water wells and change for children has an awesome uh, water well drilling program in Nicaragua. And I just wanted to jump on that and share their story. And so I developed this campaign called Quench and we, with a goal to, you know, fundraise and drill one water well in Nicaragua and then go back to that community and fix their teeth. And one water well turned to three, turned to five, turned to people doing bake sales, um, you know, and fundraisers back, you know, in Lloydminster and then. 10 water wells and 13 water wells. And I think we're at 14 water wells in wow. 14 different communities. And I, I really feel like it's just, it's, it's become a part of, you know, who I am. It, it's wanting to give back. And, and if we can't, you know, give back through service, you know, giving, you know, fixing people's teeth, we can fundraise for opportunities to give people the gift of life, which is water. Yeah. I think that's fabulous. Um, I do like the idea of sustainability and yeah. in, a, in a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of criticism that's out there about programs that potentially, you know, where people are just doing tourism more as their primary focus and they're not so much focus on when they leave, um, does anything change? Are they, mm -hmm. are they creating a change that's lasting as opposed to like fixing something once and then they don't come back for an extended period of time? You know, where's the legacy there if it just goes back to the way it was? So I do like... Um, you know, approaches where there's sustainability and your constant improvements. And so that's fabulous. Um, 
anything going on for the summer for you, bud? It seems like you're a busy guy. And I, and you know um, what? And I must say, yeah. Lloyd Minister people sound amazing. Like we're gonna have to go visit there more often. Yeah, you know that's um, th- that's honestly what keeps me here. I I love my community, but I love my I love the people of this community, and and it's it's cool because I didn't grow up here. I I moved here for a job. I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and I fell in love with this community and, and the people have always, you know, supported me and whether, you know, we are drilling water wells in Nicaragua or we're fundraising for anything, everyone wants to help and businesses like, man, you guys would not believe how many businesses are jumping on board for this bike for breakfast thing. And it's, it's, it's been awesome. Um, so that's, that's my summer. That's, that's next weekend, but, um, we're actually going to be starting a big, uh, um, uh, like live teeth extraction, uh, like oral surgery series in Ontario with the dentistry Academy. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I, uh, helped out with one of their courses. We did a live, uh, third molar extraction, uh, uh, like live surgery where 10, 10 dentists, uh, brought five of their patients, each brought five patients and we kind of mentored them through it. And it's crazy because you'll have you know, a brand new grad that's taken out one first molar and she's bringing in the you know, full bony horizontally impacted third molars to take out. And you're like, man, I don't even want to take on this case. And look at you. Like, it's crazy to see the development of people. And, and I know that's why you guys teach too, because it's, it's enlightening or igniting a spark in someone and, and it keeps you coming back for more and sharing your knowledge with other dentists, I think in like allows our entire profession to grow. And, and that's been super cool. Yeah, I agree. Well, Nike, it sounds like you have a very busy summer coming up as we're hopefully springboarding out of COVID and your academy is ramping up with subscriptions and busyness as well. And you're continuing on with your philanthropy. Uh, we're going to be excited to follow everything that you have going on. So On behalf of Mike, it's been a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you so much for your time. And we're very, very excited to see what the uh, upcoming summer and fall holds for you. Yeah, it's great to have you, Neki. Uh, Really good information for everybody out there. And again, uh, let's get people out there to check out your website and to check out your upcoming courses. I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And that was, again, Third Molars Online. Is that correct? ThirdMolarsOnline.com. Yep. So everybody check that out. Um, And for everybody else, uh, please subscribe to our our podcast on whichever platform you're using. Uh, Go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com or our Instagram at digitalworkflowdentistry for more information and links in our bio to upcoming webinars and podcasts and other things that we've got going on. Neki, uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to chat more about potentially doing some some cohort work here on uh, some of this PRP PRF stuff. Um, let's uh, maybe we can spring into some courses or something together. Um, it's awesome to see what you're doing, and um, you know at least what we should be doing is um, helping uh, again to support some of your things that you've got going mm-hmm. because that's just fabulous. Uh, so I love it. I love what you're doing. And take care. And to everybody out there, be well. And uh, keep your flaps tight, everyone. Yeah, take care. See ya. (laughs)